Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another edition of the X Factor Sports Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Glad to have y'all in tonight. We got a great, great show for you guys tonight. Glad you guys could tune in. Be sure to like, share, subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. That's where we are right now live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Also, you can catch all the audio on all of the audio platforms, your Apple Podcasts, Spotify's, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all of those, iHeartRadio. Be sure to check us out. And you can catch all of the previous episodes. Like I said, this is season two, episode seven. So if you are just now tuning in, you got some catching up to do. Let's get into it like we always do with the quick news. Ladies first, we got the WNBA Finals has begun. On Sunday, we had the Vegas Aces taking game one from the New York Liberty. It is a five-game series, best of five, and the Vegas Aces are up 1-0. Game was not close at all, actually. Vegas dominated from wire to wire, ended up winning by 17 points in game one, which is surprising to me. I thought the game would be a lot closer. Since they hadn't played in over a week, figured they'd feel each other out and kind of make it a, a close, gritty game. But Vegas pulled away in the fourth quarter, winning by 17 points, almost scoring 100 points. So game two, I feel like, will be a little more competitive. And Vegas defense just seemed to be a little too much in game one. So this series will be interesting. I think that the Liberty, New York Liberty, will make it interesting. They actually play tonight. Here in about an hour, they tip off. I think the New York Liberty will get that game and tie it up, even the series going back to New York. Baseball playoffs are here as well. Again, this is the best time of year for sports. You got WNBA, you have the finals, you have Major League Baseball playoffs, you got hockey starting back up, NBA, we're getting into the thick of the NFL season. We also have the NCAA football. We got college football going as well. So getting into Major League Baseball, we got the division series. We got two blowouts last night. The Astros blow out the Twins, take a 2-1 series lead, and the Texas Rangers are hot. They are the hottest team in baseball right now. Five-game winning streak. They sweep the 101-win Baltimore Orioles last night, blow them out 7-1. They look really good right now. They're playing the best baseball. This is when you want to play your best baseball this time of year in October. And they sweep the Orioles 3-0. So we got that going on. Tonight, we actually got the Dodgers on the brink of elimination up against the Diamondbacks, the other hot team in the National League. They haven't lost a game in a while either. They are looking to sweep the Dodgers tonight. Took two away from them in L.A., and now they're in Arizona. So we'll see what happens with that game. That game also is happening this evening along with the WNBA. Also, last thing in quick news, the NBA is back. I know you guys are excited about it as much as I am. Miss D, she's more of a football fan, so she knows what time it is once NBA starts. I'm a little bit on that side of it. Holler at me in June. (laughs) But the NBA is back. 
I'm excited. All my NBA fans, I'm sure, are excited as well. Preseason has already begun. We've seen Victor Wimbenyama against OKC Thunder with Chet Holmgren, who is eligible to win Rookie of the Year. They had a head-to-head -head matchup the other night. Both of them looked good. So we'll see which one of those slim guys wins Rookie of the Year. Next episode, we will get into our NBA awards and our predictions. So stay tuned for that. But opening night for the NBA, October 24th. I'm excited for opening night of the NBA. You got two marquee matchups. We get the Lakers going against the defending champion Denver Nuggets. If you remember last season, the Nuggets swept the Lakers in the conference semifinal. It was a huge deal. A lot of trash talking back and forth. Even the coach Mike Malone for the Denver Nuggets talking trash at the parade. LeBron responding back to him on social media, talking about you you enjoy your light. I'm the sun, yada, yada, yada. So making it good TV, good back and forth over the summer. Interested to see this first game. Again, it's still game one of 82, but gives you something to look forward to. Then the nightcap, you got the Phoenix Suns against the Warriors. We got Chris Paul with his new team going against his old team. And then it's always good TV when KD gets to go against the Warriors. And they added Bradley Bill along with Dev Booker. So that'll be interesting to see as well. Again, game one of the season, but I'm excited for it. Got to get that quick news out there. Now, before we get into the show, got a question for you guys. And it's about NFL coaching. All right. I'm going to just let you know what it is. If a coach has been coaching a team for three years, three seasons, right? Their record is 26 and 29. They've made one playoff appearance and lost. And in those last three years, they've either been in third in the division or looking to be last in the division. They're one in four this season. They've been outscored this season 131 to 55. Would you say that that coach is doing a good job or is that coach need to be fired? I would say so. And I say all that to say this, Bill Belichick needs to go. I know everybody may be shocked by that. You probably saw on other TV networks, you know, they all love Bill Belichick. Everybody talks about the history, his resume and what he's brought to the table. That was a long time ago. The NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and he's done nothing for us. Matt Jones is in and out of the lineup. He keeps subbing him in, subbing him out, replacing him with Bailey Zappi. They have no idea what they're doing with their offense. Belichick's supposed to be a defensive guru. Like I said before, they've been outscored 131-55 to in five games. They look awful. They've looked awful since Brady left. His record without Tom Brady, get this. Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady is 80 and 90. He's not even a 500 coach without Brady. He's 1 and 14 in playoffs without Brady. And 26 and 29 since he left, like I alluded to earlier. So what type of coaching are we getting from Belichick? I think he needs to go. He doesn't need to be fired tonight, but at the end of the season, if they are last in this division for the second straight year and they miss the playoffs again, I think it's time for Bill Belichick to leave. 
He's already showed you as a GM, he doesn't know how to draft talent. In the last 10 years, they've had two players that were all pro that they drafted, and they're both special teams guys. One's a punter, one's a kick return guy. He doesn't know how to evaluate talent. The players, he doesn't have leadership in the locker room anymore. He's lost the locker room in terms of the players. I think he's outdated. His offense is outdated. The defensive guys don't play hard for him anymore. It's time for Bill Belichick to go. I'll be the one to say it. Nobody else wants to admit it. Nobody else wants to come to that conclusion. Everybody's tiptoeing around the issue saying, oh, Bill Belichick just probably needs to let go of the of the scouting or the player development or the GM responsibilities. No, he needs to go. Let's call it what it is. If this was any other coach doing this type of job with their team, they would be fired on the spot. For the fact that it's Bill Belichick, he can coach the rest of the year. But if they end up as bad as they are projected to look, right now their record is projected to be 4-13. and 13. Any other coach going 4-13 and 13 after losing, after going 29-26-29 in the last three seasons would be fired. So why does Bill Belichick get a different, why is the goalpost moved for Bill Belichick? Because he won six Super Bowls with Tom Brady. He had somebody to lean on for leadership and he doesn't have that anymore. Even when he was with the Browns, they never made the playoffs. He got fired from that job. How easily we forget what players can do for these coaches. Now, I'm not saying that Bill Belichick historically is a bad coach. You still have to coach these teams that Brady was on. But if we're talking about recency and what he's done, in the last three seasons, he's been terrible. I think the question's already been answered. Who won those Super Bowls in New England between Brady and Belichick, right? We don't have to have that conversation because he went to Tampa Bay and did it again immediately. He didn't even wait two seasons. He did it as soon as he left. Still had the, the flight ticket on his clothes, on his luggage when he was in Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl. Didn't take any time. And Belichick is still trying to figure out if he should start Mac Jones in week six. What are we talking about? To put it in perspective, last season, Bill Belichick named Matt Patricia the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. For those of you who might not know who Matt Patricia is, he coached in New England before as the defensive coordinator. And then he got the coaching job in Detroit, where they were awful, and he got fired. And now Detroit looks great. So he brought Matt Patricia back to be the offensive coordinator after being a defensive coordinator for the same organization. Who the hell does that? Who hires a defensive coordinator to coach offense for a, a young second-year quarterback? You're setting them up for failure. Any other coach that does that gets fired. I'll give it to you like this. Matt Nagy for the Chicago Bears. Not saying that he didn't deserve to be fired when he got fired. But Matt Nagy coached the Bears for three years. They won a division, went to the playoffs, lost the playoff game. So he, he didn't have a playoff victory either. But they were over 500. The Chicago Bears, who have not been good. And this is coming from a Bears fan. But I can be objective. Matt Nagy was still over 500 when they fired him. 
Belichick has not been over 500 at all without without number 12. So when are we going to stop kidding ourselves? Ask yourself this. Would you want a coach that is 1-14 in, in the postseason, under 500 in the last three years, and hires a defensive coordinator to run your offense? Of course not. He's supposed to be a defensive guy. That's what he was known for. For my younger viewers, Belichick was known for defense. He won Super Bowls with those Giants teams, Lawrence Taylor, back in the 80s when Bill Parcells was the head coach. So he's been known for defense for 30 years. And I think he's just outdated. I think these players, he's lost the locker room. The players don't listen to him anymore. And it's just time to move on. There's nothing There's nothing bad about moving on. Sometimes it's just you're past your time. I think Bill Belichick's past his time. I don't know if he can relate. He's not relatable anymore to his players. It's like Bobby Knight when he was in college. Like it got to a point, Bobby Knight was great. He's a Hall of Famer. But it got to the point where he couldn't relate to the, to the league anymore. So they had to let him go. And I think we're getting to that point with Bill Belichick. Two all pros from this team in the last 10 years when he's the GM and they special teams guys that we don't know. Come on, man. One could argue that he's never been in touch with his players. I'm going to end it with that. Because if you didn't have Brady to fall in line all those years, a lot of those players really wasn't feeling Belichick anyway. And now we're at the point where you don't have that guy that will fall in line and do whatever it takes to win and deal with your old ideologies. I think he should be fired. Simple as that. If they get last place in his division with no Aaron Rodgers with the Jets, if Zach Wilson beats out the, the New England Patriots record-wise, it's time for him to go. I'll end it with that. When we come back, I'm glad y'all are tuned in to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. We are going to get into the five things we learned from the NFL in week five. This is Jay Mondan of the X-Factor Sports Podcast, episode seven. We'll be right back. love sports and want to stay informed about the latest news and content, then you've got to check out this podcast. The X Factor Sports Podcast is the ultimate source for your favorite sports news and analysis. This host covers all kinds of sports, you'll always be able to find something interesting to listen to. Plus, the podcast is highly entertaining and will keep you on the edge of your seat every time. So, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. We had a great opening monologue. I'm glad you guys are tuning in. And let's stick with the NFL. We're going to get into the top five things we learned from week five last week in the NFL. All right. Number one. The 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys are in two different classes, okay? If you watch that game, it was not close. The Cowboys do a lot of talking. Their fans are just like the players. They talk all the time. We them boys. 
They got players with podcasts, which is great. Congratulations. Get your money. People are going to follow it. But you got to back it up on the field. Simple as that. So a number of things that I caught specifically from that game. Dak doesn't show up in big games. All right. Let's, let's just call it like we see it. We got eight years of evidence with Dak Prescott. When the game is at its biggest, when he is matched up with a marquee team, when we're trying to figure out if he's the guy, he always shows us he's not the guy. If any game you need to show that you are that premier quarterback matched up against Brock Purdy, you have to show up. Even if your team loses, you can still show like I brought something to the table. He threw three picks, threw for 158 yards. So he didn't show us anything again. Dak being Dak. Cowboys players talk more than the fans do. And after the game, the players are talking about, oh, this is going to be personal. Next time we play is personal. Why the hell wasn't it personal then? They beat y'all twice in the playoffs already. Why is it every game against the 49ers personal? They're the best team in the NFC. Like, that would have been all week you should have been thinking about beating these dudes. And they just showed that they were in a different class, the 49ers. When you line up with these dudes, they they bullied them at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. The offense the 49ers has, complete team. They can line up everybody. Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Everybody can line up. Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Juszczyk. They was lining up Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, at wide receiver. They was running slant routes for their fullback. <laughs> like, they're in a different class offensively than anybody right now, and especially the Cowboys. And then on defense, they have the most dominant linebacker core with Fred Warner and, Drew, and Dre Greenlaw. Then you got the linemen with Nicky Bosa, Eric Armstead, Traverius Ward on the back end they got from the Chiefs was a great pickup for them because he's a number one corner. Physical, doesn't let anything get in front of them. Like they play defense like they played back in the day. They they start from, from start to finish. They get in your face. They come to hit and they attack the quarterback. So watching that game, 42 to 10 was not indicative of how dominant that game was. They set their starters in the fourth quarter. Who does that in the NFL? Like who has <laughs> who has the ability in the NFL where this league is supposed to have the most parity of all the professional sports? Have the ability to sit their starters in the fourth quarter and put up 42. They could have put up 50 if they play if they wanted to. So that's what I learned from that. 49ers are in a different class from the Cowboys. Second thing I learned from week five. Jacksonville Jaguars, that trip to their second home in London showed me that they are building something. They have some camaraderie, and they're going to bring that back. When they go across the pond, they've won two games in a row over in London, which I've never seen before a team play in London back-to-back weeks. But they beat, in week four, they beat the Falcons. And last week, they had a huge win against the Buffalo Bills. Kind of ruined my parlay a little bit, but it's okay. But, uh, Jacksonville got that win, and the team is building camaraderie around each other. Word is getting out that they love being out there for a week together and building that team chemistry, bringing that back to Jacksonville. 
I wouldn't be surprised to see them go on a run. They got the Colts this week. If they beat the Colts, they've already swept them before Halloween. So you're already two games up on a division rival in week five. That's huge. So they got some momentum building with Jacksonville. I picked them to win the division, and I think they got a good chance to do that. So that's what I learned from them. That trip across the pond might be what the doctor ordered for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The third thing we learned in week five is the Detroit Lions are for real. You don't hear me say much good about the Detroit Lions, obviously, because we're in the North here, the Bears fans. But again, I can be objective. The Lions look for real. They're four and one. They lost one game to Seattle. Seattle came and beat them at home, a noon game. Maybe they were high off of the win against the Chiefs in week one. I don't know. But they still played a tough game against Seattle, who is also a good team in the NFC. Probably a playoff team as well, a wild card team. But the Lions look good. They play enough defense to win games. Aiden Hutchinson in the front of that D-line. They got a young, they got a young defense, exciting to watch. They put up 30 points a game. They're top five in offense in an offensive-driven league. Jared Goff is playing the best he's played in his career. They got young talent on the offensive side with Jameer Gibbs at running back, Sam Laporta, the tight end. That was a great draft. After after losing TJ Hawkinson to Minnesota, they draft well with Sam Laporta out of Iowa. He had two touchdowns last week in a beatdown on Carolina. They look good. They're going to run away with this division. They can probably win the North before Thanksgiving or by Thanksgiving for sure because the other teams don't look well. Green Bay showed you they really didn't look that great on Monday Night Football. So the Detroit Lions are for real, which segues me into the fourth thing we learned from week five. Defenses have figured out Jordan Love. Yes, he's been in the league. For, this is fourth year in the league. He set for three. Kind of the Aaron Rodgers formula in Green Bay. But defenses have figured him out already. In week one, he played good against the Bears. Nobody had film on him. This is why defensive coordinators earn their money. This is how they earn their money, I should say. They're figuring them out. Speed them up. Get people, get defense around his feet. Make them make quick decisions. Turn them into a passer. It also doesn't help that Aaron Jones is out. I think if Aaron Jones had played these last couple of weeks, he'd probably look a little better. It would take pressure off of Jordan Love. But needless to say, he's had the worst QBR over the last three weeks. He has the lowest passing percentage. He's at 55% passing completion. And he's just looked bad. And I think the defenses have figured him out. Had a good first couple weeks, but everything has been trending down since. In the last three games, he has six interceptions. He's been sacked eight times. His QB rating's at 55, and his QBR is a 25.8 out of 100. Scale from 0 to 100, he's at 25.8. That's an F in every every classroom I've ever been in. If I got a 25, I fail. <laughs> so that's what he's looking like right now. Completing 55% of his passes is last in the league. So that's what we learned about Jordan Love. And the last thing on things we learned in week five, the Chiefs and Eagles are finding ways to win games. I was just talking about this last night. My brother-in-law, shout out to him. We, the Chiefs 
are winning football games. They're winning ugly. Some questionable calls. Y'all can comment on that if you want to. Let me know if those calls have been questioned the last couple games. Chiefs and Jets. Chiefs and Vikings. Some pass interference, questionable calls. Guys taking helmets off on the field. Uh, can't really do that. But nonetheless, the Eagles and Chiefs are finding ways to win ball games. The two teams that went to the Super Bowl last year. Eagles are still undefeated. And the Chiefs have not lost since week one, making them four and one. And they don't look complete yet. Neither one of these teams look complete, but it's still early October, which is fine. When you, this is how you know the good teams understand how the season works, the elite teams. You may not be looking your best early in the season, but you still find ways to win ball games because you stay ahead of the standings. So even though the Chiefs aren't looking that great, even though the Eagles aren't looking that great, they're still winning games and they're still leading their division. And they're going to peak at the right time. So it's trending in the right direction for them. So that's the good news, Chiefs fans, Eagles fans. You guys don't look that great, but you're obviously going to clean that up, barring injury. You guys can clean that up and start peaking at the right time. The best teams start peaking around Turkey Day, and that's what you want. You want your team looking its best going into the holidays and being ready and primed for the playoffs. And I think both of these teams can do that. Even though the 49ers look dominant, I still have the Eagles as the best team in the NFC because they are the defending NFC champs and they beat the 49ers the last time they played head to head. But we will get our answer in December because they play in week 10 or 11, I think. So we will definitely get our answer of who's the better team once we get to that game. So that's what we've learned. The 49ers are dominant and they're in a different class from the Cowboys right now. Jaguars look good, built some team camaraderie across the pond. They will come back and try to get a stranglehold on this division. Detroit is for real. Young, young, fast offensive players. Aiden Hutchinson leading the defense. Jared Goff playing the best football of his career. Jordan Love looking shaky. Ain't no love up there. And Eagles and Chiefs playing Decent ball, good enough to win ball games, and hopefully peaking at the right time. So be sure to like, share, subscribe. Let me know what y'all think about that list. Let me know if you figured out some things that are different after watching five weeks of NFL football. When we return with the X Factor Sports Podcast, we get into the NBA. We get into fantasy basketball. Tips on what you need to pick your fantasy basketball team when we come back. Season 2 of the X Factor Sports Podcast is here. Be sure to tune in live every Wednesday night on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok for real unbiased sports talk. Jay Mondane is bringing a fresh new point of view on the sports world. You don't want to miss out. Subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Audio available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. The X Factor Sports Podcast. Real talk for real sports fans. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is Jay Mondane, Season 2, Episode 7. 
Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. We are on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter live every week. And you can catch the audio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So be sure to check the audio if you can't catch the video of the X Factor Sports Podcast. Now let's get into it. The NBA season is here. Like I said, we got fantasy basketball coming up. I'm in a fantasy basketball league. Shout out to my boy Shep. He is one of the biggest fans. Checks out the show every week. We are in a fantasy basketball league together. It's a dynasty league. His guys have been doing it for over two decades. I'm just glad they let me join in and try to win me some seasons. But if you are in your own fantasy basketball league, I got some tips for y'all. Your draft should be coming up shortly since the tip-off for the NBA season is October 24th. So here are some tips for you, some nuggets to take with you. Fantasy basketball is different from football. Remember that. There's 82 games. It's not a plug-and-play situation unless you're in a league where your players have to play the entire week. The league I'm in, the players can play every day. So you got to pay a little more attention to who you're subbing in, who you're subbing out. Individual players can get more stats than an NFL player because there's only five players on a court at the time. So the statistics are running rampant. You got points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, threes, triple doubles, excuse me, field goal percentage, depending on which leagues you're in, you get points for all those positive stats. You get minus points for turnovers, things like that, missed shots, you know, all those types of things can warrant your score or gauge your score depending on the league. So individual players get more stats. Superstars have the ball more, obviously. So you want to make sure you're drafting those guys, the superstars, guys you know that will play a lot because they get the points. And more games played, pay more attention to the day-to-day. Now, the type of players you want to draft when you're doing an NBA fantasy league is players in their contract years, of course. So very similar to the NFL, a player that's in a contract year, they're not going to miss very many games. They are going to try to get on the floor and make an all-star team. They're going to try to make an all-NBA. They're motivated, right? There's an incentive to make more money in the next season, so you are going to get on the court and play, play as many games as possible. So make sure you're looking at those types of players that are in contract years or looking to get an extension. You want to draft those guys, all right? Also, players that play defense, you want the three and D guys. It's a The NBA is an offensive league, but the guys that can actually play defense stay on the floor longer. So in the NBA, you got to think about minutes played. The guys that play the most minutes can be the most productive, right? So you want three and D guys. It's a three-point league, so guys that can hit threes and, and D up on the other end will get you more points in a fantasy basketball league. Depending on the type of scoring you have in a league, if you get a significantly more amount of points for threes. You want a guy like a Mikael Bridges, Pat Beverly, Desmond Bain, Trey Murphy. Like you want those types of guys. They play heavy minutes. They play anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes a night. They shoot five to seven threes a night and they make two or three of them a night and they defend. So they're going to give you, they're going to fill up the stat sheet on a nightly basis. Those are the guys you want to try to target. Okay. Double-double machines as well. 
So these are your Nikola Vucevic guys. These are your Nikola Jokic. These are your Anthony Davis, like guys that get double-doubles, DeAndre Aiden, the guys that get double-doubles almost every single night, your Paolo Bancaros. The reason you want those guys, again, fill in the stat sheet. doesn't matter about wins and losses per se. You want the guys that you know are durable, that'll play every night, and it'll get you a double-double. Russell Westbrook, like he's a walking triple-double. He's proved it over the last five years. If he's not going to get you points and assists, he's going to get you points and rebounds. So those are the type of guys you want to make sure you look for too. Guys that led the league in double-doubles or the top 10, 15 guys that had double-doubles from the previous year. And here's a nugget. Very underrated thing to do when you do fantasy basketball. You want the best players on bad teams. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but think about it. Fantasy basketball is not about teams that are good. Fantasy basketball is about players that are statistically good. Okay? So guys that are all about their stats, that's good for fantasy basketball because on your team, you want the guys that pad stats. Okay? So the best players on a bad team are vital. Think about it. They, they will play a lot. If you're on a bad team and you got a good guy, a Scoot Henderson, not saying that Portland's going to be bad, but he's a high draft pick and he's a point guard. He'll have the ball in his hands a lot. And with Dame Lillard gone, he's going to be the guy leading the charge. So a guy like that, a Chet Holmgren, if he can stay healthy, they're a young team. They're not actually that bad with Shea Gilgis Alexander, but Chet will play a lot. Okay. So they'll have the ball in their hands a lot and they got the bright green light, neon green light to shoot the ball whenever they want to. So young guys in Houston, last year I had Jalen Green. Houston was terrible. I think they won like 19 games. But when he was healthy, he played 45 minutes. <laughs> Nothing, you're not going to get anything but production from a guy that's good on a bad team because he's going to play. They're going to let him play through mistakes. They're going to let him grow trial by fire. And that's big and that's good for fantasy basketball. So you want to look into that. Make sure your roster is a combination of youth and experience. You don't want too many young guys because you don't want all of the negative plays that comes with bad, with young players, turnovers, bad field goal percentage, things like that. But you also want some experience. You want the guys you know are going to come to work. They're going to produce every night, play good basketball. So fantasy basketball is not just about getting a bunch of stat stuffers. You do want to put a team around so you make sure you have consistency with your team, not just a bunch of young guys that are going to play bad. So you want youth and experience. You want shooters, all around players. It's a long season, so depth is important. So depending on the league you're in, the league that I'm in is a Yahoo league. And we have, it's a keeper league, actually, not really a dynasty. We get to keep three players from the previous year. And then we have to draft another 15 guys or so. But the way I do my draft is I make sure I have youth and experience, some 3 and D guys, some double-double machines, guys that I know will play. And last but not least, find players looking to win individual awards. The reason I say that is because the NBA changed some of the rules this year. You have to play a minimum of 65 games to be eligible for all NBA, to be eligible for rookie of the year, 
first team all nba defensive player of the year mvp all of those individual stats and those are the stats that players are looking for to get max deals because they're eligible for those from their franchises so be sure to look for players that will be incentivized by playing at least 65 games it helps your team out tremendously because obviously you get a player that's going to play all the games right so you want those players that are on the cusp of all-star all nba defensive player of the year a player like a mikhail bridges is perfect because he checks all those boxes he just went to brooklyn he's got a full season there he's got the green light he's a three and d guy he's in the eastern conference so he can definitely be on the cusp of being an all-star forward or making an all nba team because he's going to be the best player on the brooklyn nets those are the type of players you want to target young guys that like to play Mikael Bridges hasn't missed a game in his career. So those are the type of people you want to look into. So think about that when you're drafting your teams. Who are the guys that I want? Obviously, you probably want to get some players from the team you like. Makes it fun. It's still gotta, you still got to have fun with fantasy basketball, but you also want to win. And I think those are the keys to doing that. So be sure to log in to your drafts wherever you guys are drafting NBA players. And like, share, subscribe, tune in, reply to the X Factor Sports Podcast. Let me know how your draft went. I'll let you know how my draft went. We can go back and forth and talk about what we did, what grades we give ourselves, and we can enjoy that season together. All right? When we come back, we will get into your favorite segment of the show. We get into Bet That. We got a 5 leg lega and we'll get into different sports on this parlay. You don't want to miss that. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. love sports and want to stay informed about the latest news and content, then you've got to check out this podcast. The X Factor Sports Podcast is the ultimate source for your favorite sports news and analysis. This host covers all kinds of sports, you'll always be able to find something interesting to listen to. Plus, the podcast is highly entertaining and will keep you on the edge of your seat every time. So, don't wait any longer, subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is your host, Jay Mondane. Season 2, Episode 7. Glad y'all can tune in, man. I'm having a great time with this show. We got... NBA, fantasy basketball, we've talked NFL, things we've learned. We've talked about a lot of different stuff. Now we're going to get into your favorite segment, the bet that segment. Yes, this is where we do our five-leg parlay for the week. We sometimes do one sport. We mix it up with multiple sports. This particular parlay, we got college football, we got WNBA, we got Major League Baseball playoffs, and of course, NFL. So let's get into it. The first leg of the parlay is the game is actually tonight. We got the Dodgers versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Go ahead and take the money line on the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks sweep the Dodgers. I think it's over for them. This playoffs has been a pleasant surprise. The best teams haven't been winning. It's been good baseball. Like I said, the Rangers just swept a team that's won 101 games in the Baltimore Orioles. 
it looks like the Braves, they took a 2-1 series lead, but they were they are going back to, or actually they got game four in, in Philly. But that series is tough. A lot of surprises there. I thought they would dominate that series. But I'm going to go ahead and take the Diamondbacks to sweep and finish this series off tonight. Postseason upsets continue. Diamondbacks have won their last five games. They haven't lost a game in the playoffs yet. They look really hot. I think they close this out against the Dodgers. Looking to sweep their way to the NLCS. Next leg of the parlay, we got the Vegas Aces and New York Liberty game two. I'm going to go ahead and take the over. I don't know why I didn't take the over last week. I needed to look at some more stats, dive deeper. Both of these teams average 90 points a game, so I don't know why the hell I thought it would be under 171 and a half. I guess it's because they took a whole week off. I figured they'd be a little rusty, but in the fourth quarter, the Aces just showed that they have a lot of offensive firepower. Kelsey Plum, all those ladies, Asia Wilson. So I'm taking it over this time in game two. I think the New York Liberty respond, but not saying who I think will win, but I'm taking over 171 and a half this time. Teams have scored this season playing against each other. They've scored over 180 points three times. So I think it's going to happen again. I'm going to take the over. Should have paid attention last week. The third leg of the parlay, we got Stanford versus Colorado Friday the 13th. I love Friday the 13th, especially in October. So we got a Friday night game in Colorado. Go ahead and take the over on this, 58 and a half. I believe Colorado will win, but when you're doing parlays, you got to think of the odds and winning money too, right? The, the odds aren't really that high on Colorado beating Stanford because Stanford's not good. They're highly favored. I think Colorado's favored by like 12 points, 12 and a half. So the odds are better to take the over on 58 and a half. Colorado scores 33 points a game, but they give up 34. <laughs> so I think they're going to get to that 58 and a half. I don't think they're going to give it up against Stanford. Stanford's not that good. But I can see Colorado getting 50 by themselves. So take the, excuse me, take the over on that 58 and a half. All right. The fourth leg of the parlay, we stay in college football. We stay in the Pac-12. This may be the game of the weekend. The number eight, Oregon, goes to number seven, Washington. And I'm actually taking Oregon to upset the Washington Huskies on the road. And here's why. Oregon's used to playing in big games, playing against ranked opponents. Bo Nix has played in a million college football games. I think the dude's my age, still in college. So he's used to playing in big-time football games. So I'm going to take them on the money line. Washington hasn't been tested yet. This is going to be the biggest game of their season. The quarterback, Penix Jr., he is a Heisman hopeful. This is going to be a big matchup for him against another Heisman hopeful in Bo Nix, so we'll see what happens there. I think Oregon's defense is significantly better than Washington's defense. They proved that all season long, especially against Colorado, if you watch that game. I just think Oregon's ready for the moment. For some reason, they have Washington as two-point favorites at home, even though they're the higher-ranked team. That's Vegas' way of saying they're not sure if you want to lay on Washington. So I'm going to take Oregon straight up to win that game. Washington's also 3-2 and two against the spread. 
as favorites this season. I think they go three and three. So I'm going to take them. And I think that the Oregon Ducks are poised to win this game. They look like the best team in the Pac-12. They haven't had very many like blemishes like USC. USC looked bad last week and Washington just hasn't been tested yet. I think this is the test they get. I think Oregon wins straight up. The last leg of the parlay, Cowboys at Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers straight up. This is why I'm taking the Chargers. Cowboys are still talking about the 49ers game. It's Wednesday. They got beat up already. They're still harping on that game last week. They're not coming in ready for the Chargers. The Chargers had a bye. They possibly get Austin Eckler back. They come fully rested. The Cowboys go from playing in San Francisco, going home and practicing, then traveling back out to L.A. for this game. I just think the Chargers are going to win straight up. I think they're going to catch up. Kellen Moore, also the old offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. He is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers now. I think he's got some up his sleeve. He knows that defense. He knows what that offense will do. It's very pedestrian, very Mike McCarthy, 1998 style of offense, as you've been seeing all season. So I feel like they will win this game. Might be a shootout, but I think the Chargers can get it done. Like I said, Austin Eckler returns, gives them a boost, a shot in the arm, and I think they take advantage of that. Dak not good against the top quarterbacks. We saw that last week. I think going head-to-head against Justin Herbert, he doesn't stand a chance. I think Herbert's way better at every aspect of quarterbacking, so I'm going to take that matchup as well. Dak has a QB rating of 65.8 with 545 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions in this in his three road games this year. So just to put that in perspective, he's back on the road. Doesn't look very good on the road. He looks better at Jerry World against bad teams. The Chargers are actually a good football team at home, off a of bye. I'm taking the Chargers straight up. So that's what we got in our five-leg parlay. Go ahead and take the Diamondbacks to sweep tonight. Take the over this time on the women, the Aces and the Liberty, 171 and a half. Go ahead and take the over on Stanford, Colorado, Friday, 58 and a half. Oregon going into Washington and winning that game straight up Saturday afternoon. And I believe this Monday night football, Chargers and Cowboys. I'm going to take the Chargers with rest, getting Austin Eckler back, playing with the Cowboys' old offensive coordinator to win straight up. Let me know what you think about these bets. Let me know if you think I should go another way or how you guys are betting. We are not a bookie. We are not a betting site. We are just a podcast who loves to talk about gambling and talk about sports. So make sure you do that on your own. But check us out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. When we return, we will get into our X Factors of Week 6 in the NFL. Yes, that segment is back. This is Jay Mondane of the X Factor Sports Podcast. Season 2 of the X Factor Sports Podcast is here. Be sure to tune in live every Wednesday night on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok for real unbiased sports talk. Jay Mondane is bringing a fresh new point of view on the sports world. You don't want to miss out. Subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today.
Audio available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. The X Factor Sports Podcast. Real talk for real sports fans. Yo, we are back. The X Factor Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. This show is flying by. We're having a great time. But we got our segment back with the X Factors. That's right. NFL X Factors. Every week we talk about who we think is going to make an impact on the game. We highlight some of the key games of the week. We do Thursday night. We will do one game in the early segment on Sunday, and then we do a late game segment as well on Sunday, and then we do Sunday night football and Monday night. So let's get into it. The Thursday night game tomorrow, Chiefs versus Broncos. The Broncos have been dominated by the Chiefs. The Chiefs dominate this division, the AFC West, but the X factor for this game is going to be Russell Wilson. I believe Russell Wilson will be the X factor. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the game, but think about this. He has a 100.2 passer rating, 918 passing yards, nine touchdowns with only two interceptions against the Chiefs since he's played. So he plays well against the Chiefs. No matter what the results are, Russell Wilson comes to play. I think the Chiefs coming off a short week, playing the late game, an emotional win. We don't know if Travis Kelsey is 100%. I think the Broncos make the game competitive, and the only way to make it competitive is for Russell Wilson to ball out. I think they keep the game close. I think Russell Wilson throws at least two touchdowns, and he's the X factor of that game. In the early game on Sunday, we got Bears-Vikings. Like I said, Vikings are coming off of a tough loss to the Chiefs. No Justin Jefferson. I think that DJ Moore wide receiver of the Chicago Bears is the X factor of this game. The Bears coming off a huge win, first win of the season last Thursday, coming off 10 days of rest. DJ Moore will be the X factor. Playing against one of the worst secondaries in football in the Minnesota Vikings secondary. Justin Fields and DJ Moore have found some chemistry. Check these stats out. When Justin Fields is throwing to DJ Moore this season, he's 27 for 34, 532 yards, five touchdowns, no picks, and a perfect QB rating of 158.3. It sounds like we got magic going on with these two. Hopefully they can build on that, but you got that going on, playing against one of the worst defenses, one of the worst secondaries at home on 10 days rest, I think DJ Moore has a monster game. He's the X factor of this game. I think he gets the first touchdown of the game as well. In the late game on Sunday, the X factor, I think it's going to be the New York Jets defense. That Jets defense is looking good. They're hungry. They had a big win against the Broncos last week. They've scored two straight games, defensive touchdowns. I think they're finding their identity as the New York Jets. They're sticking with Zach Wilson. They want Zach Wilson to play complimentary football. Don't turn the ball over. Get the ball to Brees Hall. Let him run it. 
and do your thing that way and defense keep hold everybody down again they might not win the game but i think it will be competitive i see them getting at least a fumble recovery getting a defensive turnover i think the new york jets defense is the x factor in that late game on sunday night we got the buffalo bills pissed off after losing in london to the jacksonville jaguars i think josh allen goes crazy after a loss like he usually does if you watch the game against the giants after they lost to the jets he went crazy in that game threw for over 300 yards i see him throwing for over 300 yards in the late game on sunday and getting a rushing touchdown josh allen's the x factor for the late game the late window on sunday last but not least monday night we talked about this in the bet that segment when we did our five-leg parlay. We took the Chargers on the money line against the Cowboys. I have Justin Herbert being the X factor in that game. I think he has a huge night. I think Kellen Moore with time to work with Justin Herbert with a bye week can put in some different stuff, some exotic things in the red zone. They are one of the best red zone offenses in football. I think Justin Herbert has a monster night. I think he throws three touchdowns against the Cowboys. I think they carve that defense up with Keenan Allen. The Cowboys have no digs. Diggs is out for the season with a torn ACL. They have Stephon Gilmore back there, but I think it's just too many offensive weapons with the LA Chargers. And Justin Herbert has a monster game. So that's our X Factors for week six. I got Russell Wilson tomorrow. Got DJ Moore, early window Sunday. The Jets defense in the late window. Josh Allen balls out Sunday night. And Justin Herbert ends the week off with a monster game. Three TDs against the Cowboys. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know who your X Factors are. Who you think will have a monster game this week in week six of the NFL. When we come back. We will get into the two-minute warning. You don't want to miss this. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, <clears throat> welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. Thank you guys for tuning in so much. As we always do, we round out the show with the two-minute warning. And what I want to get into is this, learning from our mistakes, all right? When learning from mistakes, we all make them. We're all human. Everybody makes mistakes. But when we do, there's some questions we should probably ask ourselves. Am I humble enough to learn from these mistakes? Am I humble enough to just say, I messed up? I need to take a step back, look in the mirror, see what the issue was. Where did I mess up? How did I mess that up? 
whether it's a relationship, whether it's an issue with yourself, you messed up. Owning that responsibility, I think, is the first step to learning from past mistakes. Be mature enough to have self-awareness. I talk about it all the time, me and Miss D, about self-awareness. I think that's one of the things I had very young is being self-aware, knowing who I am and knowing who I'm not. And I think that's helped me along the way. Um, admitting when you messed up. Like, damn, man, I I was tripping. I messed up. It was my fault. Owning that responsibility, holding yourself accountable is huge when making mistakes. The first step to moving forward is admitting to yourself you're stuck, right? You can't really move forward in something if you don't admit that you're stuck somewhere. So once you have the self-awareness and the know-with-all to do that, you'll be able to move forward. A few more nuggets. Successful people make mistakes all the time. Failures make the same mistake all the time. Okay. The commonality is that we all make mistakes, but successful people don't make the same mistake twice. They learn from it, move forward. What failures do is they make excuses and they make the same mistakes over and over, point fingers, blame other people, and they stay stuck in that same rut. Failures blame others for their mistakes. What you don't want to do is don't make excuses for things you can't control. Own those mistakes. Look down and say, man, I'm in this rough spot. Look in the mirror and say, how can I get better? If there's help that's needed, don't be afraid to go out and ask for the help. And surround yourself with people that are willing to help, that are that care about you. That's the main thing. When you have people that care about you, they'll tell you the truth. And you can look to them when you know you made a mistake and they can say, yes, this happened. Let's go ahead. How will we move forward? So don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just have the courage to admit them and move forward. Thank you guys for tuning in to the X Factor Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys live on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Special shout out to Miss D. Thank you. The big time producer always taking care of the show, making sure everything looks good, making sure everything is prepped. I appreciate that. Next week, you don't want to miss episode eight. We get into the NLCS and the ALCS. We will predict the team that's going to the World Series. We also will make our NBA predictions, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, MVPs, and the teams we think will go to the NBA Finals. It will be a special episode. The X Factor Sports Podcast is out. Peace.